God is good all the time. You know, people tell me from time to time that they, they thank me because I have given their family axioms that they can use for a long time. The, the men's group, for example, was getting ready to, to plan a barbecue. And they said, would you mind if we used hotter than six kinds of smoke? Because that has entered our family vocabulary. So I've got a new one for you today. And you're going to find out what it is in just a moment. A couple of weeks back, Melissa and I drove to Redbud to pick up her 2003 Ford F-150. It was pretty rusted out and we had some interior, exterior work done, a running board replaced, rust covered up, that kind of thing. It looked great. It just looked great. And of course, since it's Melissa's truck, she wanted to drive it home. And I said, okay, sweetheart, here's the deal. You just follow me home because getting from Red Bud to Trenton is not a straight shot. And I said, you just follow me home. She said, fantastic. She said, oh, by the way, I'm low on gas. So I looked at her gas gauge and it said a quarter of a tank. And I said, fantastic, we'll stop and get gas. So I took off, she's following me. I just sort of got lost in my own head. You guys ever do that when you drive? You know, like you get lost in your own head in Illinois and then you wake up in Georgia, that kind of thing. I was that lost in my own head. And so I wasn't paying much attention. Apparently I passed a few gas stations. And we were just sort of rolling along and I saw a sign that said Mascuda ahead. Boom, loving it. So we were headed to Mascuda. We're getting right to the edge of town and I am scoping for the nearest gas station. And all of a sudden I get a text, ding, Shane. I ran out of gas. I am stuck alongside of the road. I am behind you. All right. So I looped back around and sure enough, there was the truck alongside the road with the flashers going on. I might note on this particular day, it was 102. Not feels like temperature. It was 102, like in the 80s, 102, right? It is hotter than six kinds of smoke. So I loop around and there she is sitting in the truck with her windows down. And I thought, oh boy. So I said, hey, sweetheart. <laughs> hey, sweetheart. I'll tell you what, jump in with me. We'll go in to town, we'll get some gas and we'll come back out and we'll get her going. She goes, I'm staying in the truck. I thought, wow. Cars were like ripping by us like two feet away, right? She's got her flashers on. I'm thinking, wow. And, and uh, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to go. So I headed to the convenience store. I paid $20 for a plastic two-gallon can, right? But I figured I deserved that. And so I, I paid. I got two gallons worth of gas. I looped back around. Boom. There she was sitting in her car. And I thought to myself, boy, she looks hot. <laughs> Not go on a date hot, just hot, hot. <laughs> so I, I poured the gas in and I said, go ahead and start it. It wasn't starting. It just wasn't starting. And I thought, ugh. So I said, sweetheart, jump in with me. We'll go back to the gas station. We'll get a little more gas. Maybe it just needs a little more gas in there. She goes, I'm not getting out of the truck. I felt things were a little tense. 
just, just, just a little tense. So I ran to the gas station, and I got two more gallons of gas. I looped back around, came in behind. Once again, she looked hot. And I walked up to the gas, to the truck. I poured the gas in. Now I got four gallons in the thing. Wrong, 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 wrong. It's not starting. And so at that point, you begin to look for a miracle, right? You know, just, just a miracle. And this guy walks out of his house. It, it, this, this guy walks out of the house, saw that we were shut down, and he, he walks out and he goes, hey, what's going on? Uh, we said, well, we, we ran out of gas here and uh, we can't get it started. He goes, all right. So he turns around, goes in, comes out about five minutes later. And I mean, cars are going by. It's just, it's just so hot. And, and he comes out with a spray can. And he says, pop the hood. Melissa pops the hood. He undoes some stuff, takes stuff off, shoots some spray in the big mouth of something, and then, and then shoves it back together. Still not starting. But it sounded better than it did earlier. And I said, sir, do you mind giving that one more shot? He goes, sure. So he did it one more time. She turned the crank. The truck started. I thought, this is awesome. So we went into town. Filled the truck up. She said, you're following me home. I, good. Good. I'm happy to follow her home. Followed her home. We got home. Everybody's good. She said she had a headache. She looked hot still. And she went in the house. And really, I had a, a little bit of alone time. You know what I'm talking about? I had a little bit of alone time. And so I thought I would use that time to kind of ponder the situation. So after a great deal of prayer, contemplation, and serious thought, I came up with a conclusion. It was nobody's fault. It's kind of like being on a riding lawnmower in a field and a meteor hitting you. It's just nobody's fault. So I informed her of this. You know, some things are nobody's fault. And then I left quickly before she could respond. <laughs> Is tensor a word? You know, welcome to Soul Salsa 2023. In Psalm 10, we learn that God can handle our hurt, our pain, and our disappointment. In Psalm 11, we learn that because God is our protector, we don't have to be afraid. In Psalm 12, we were encouraged not to give up. Because God will punish the evil and the righteous will see his face. Psalm 13 reminds us the most real thing in the cosmos are the promises of God. Psalm 14 taught us that God's salvation comes to us when, when people are committed to being God's people. And today we're going to explore Psalm 15. We're going to ponder a single question. Whose fault is it if I am failing to live an incredible life? Whose fault is it if I'm, if I'm failing to live an incredible life? I told Melissa as I left this morning, I said, sweetheart, I've got two goals for the summer and I've almost met them both. She said, what are they? I said, well, one is I wanted to have great worship services every single Sunday all summer. She said, what's the next one? I said, I wanted to wear the same pair of pants on Sunday morning for the entire summer. She goes, the first one is awesome. The second one's stupid. I said, yeah, but I'm going to meet them both. I'm going to meet them both. So here we go. For the purposes of this series, we've had five definitions. One, soul, the essence of every human being. This is your essence. Number two, 
Salsa, an upbeat, exciting, dynamic, and attractive life. It's a life with a little bit of this. Number three, church, an exciting place where lives are transformed. Four, Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ filled with spirit, passion, creativity, and life. And number five, ministry, the heart-pounding, dynamic work we do as the physical presence of Jesus Christ. 2 Samuel 6 tells us that King David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And as they approached the city, he was just overjoyed. Have you ever just been so happy you just broke out into dancing? He just broke out into dancing as they entered the city. Have you ever been somewhere and just got so incredibly happy that you just wanted to dance because all you could think about is how good God has been to you. We had a day like that Tuesday. It was three months after Melissa's last cancer scans. And Tuesday we were going back to meet with, or Thursday we were going back to meet with the doctor about the results of the CAT scan. And we received the news, she is completely cancer free. <laughs> completely cancer free. I just wanted to dance. I just wanted to dance. I mean, I just wanted to say, God, you are so incredibly good to us. That's how David felt. So as the inner town, David is just dancing down Main Street. Dancing down Main Street. Verse 14 says, David danced before the Lord with all of his might, girded in a linen ephod. You say, what is a linen ephod? Possibly underwear. When his wife, Princess Michael, he kind of married up. When his wife, the Princess Michael, saw her husband dancing down Main Street in his skivvies, she was utterly humiliated. She saw him doing the dance, but she sure couldn't hear the music. Have you ever been humiliated by your spouse? Let's not go there. When David came home to extend his blessing to his family, she just tore into him. I mean, here he is happy, and she tears into him. Have you ever had your spouse tear into you? Let's not go there either. <laughs> David replied, sweetheart, I was dancing before the Lord, and I can care less if you liked it or not. And not only that, but it might happen again. And it might even get worse. For the purposes of this Soul Salsa series, we're, we're going to call the dance. It's just the way we live our lives. It, it's the attitude that we take into life. And I want to suggest that Christians should have an upbeat, positive vibe. I want to suggest that Christians should have a positive outlook on life. We should be people that bring energy wherever we go. The dance is the way we live our lives. Have you ever wished that God would publish an illustrated instruction manual called How to Soul Salsa in 10 Easy Steps? Wouldn't that be great? You could just follow the instruction manual. Well, I want to suggest that Psalm 15 is just that. So if you're taking notes, this is a great sermon to do it. Verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy temple? Lord, who gets to dance with you? Lord, who is the man that is pleasing to you? Lord, who is the woman that is pleasing to you? What virtues do you deem to be important? You see, being good doesn't make us right with God. Can I hear an amen somewhere? 
But being right with God should make us better. It should make us better. We ought to be improving as human beings as we get right with God. A while back, I was approached by someone who knew I was the pastor here. And they just brought some really intense negative energy. Have you ever had somebody approach you and you could tell it wasn't going to go well? It was that. It was that. They walked up to me and they said, does so-and-so go to your church? And I said, who? And they told me. And I thought, yes. Yes, they do. And they went on to tell me what a horrible person that person was. And then they gave me several graphic examples to support their thesis. I couldn't get away from them. I mean, I, I just could not get away from them. They were just going on and on. Finally, they got done. Looks at me and he goes, what do you think about that? And I said, well, I'll just think how much worse he'd be if he didn't go to church. And I just left. <laughs> you know what? We may not be everything we're going to be. But you should praise God if you're not what you used to be. You should praise God if you're not what you used to be. So what are the characteristics of a person living a soul salsa life? What is it that God values? Now, you may know what the tradition you grew up in values. You may know what this culture values. You may know what your family values. But what does God value? What is important to God? And one of the things I've learned about the Bible, two things I've learned in recent years. Number one, most people have no idea what's in it. None. And number two, it annoys them when they find out. I found both those things to be true. So a lot of times what we find in the Bible isn't how we think at all. And I've made a decision and made it early in my life. When how I think is different than how the Bible thinks, my default is it is me who is wrong. It is me who needs to change. So let's take a look at 10 things that are important to God. Number one, integrity. Verse two, the person who walks blamelessly. In the building trades, integrity denotes the stability or the ability of a structure to withstand pressure. A building with integrity that's built on a firm foundation is ready for a storm. We are to be rock solid people of integrity. God values that. Number two, righteousness. It says, who does what is right. This has to do with the actions that flow out of integrity. It has to do with the core values we have that are based in the Bible and then the actions that flow out from them. Those actions are righteous actions. Number three, speaking the truth. Speaking the truth from his heart. This has to do with the weight of words. Words are powerful things. Do you realize that in Genesis, God created the cosmos by using Words. God said and there was. Words are powerful things. And they reflect the health and integrity of our hearts. If our hearts are true, our words will be true as well. Words of truth build, maintain, repair, and restore. Truth brings life. God values people who speak the truth. Number four, not speaking death. I love this. Verse three, who does not slander? Slander is using words to tear down. Slander destroys. We need to think long and hard before we say negative 
things about someone else, even if they are true, because the chances of us sinning is far greater than you may imagine. The Bible is real, really clear. The more you talk, the better the chance you are going to be sinning. Slander brings death and presents a slippery slope for the slander. I love the old axiom. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Number four, friendship. Who does no evil to a friend. I think one of the greatest casualties of our sexually charged culture today has been friendship. Just friendship. It's really important. The Hebrew says that that Abraham was a friend of God. Friendship is really important to God. The compound word that's used here is, is trustworthy. That we are to be trustworthy. It really means worthy of trust. Are your friends worthy of your trust? If we speak poorly about our friends behind their back, it says much more about what a lousy friend we are than it does anything about them. Friendship. Number six, refusing bitterness. The text says, nor takes up a reproach against a brother. I think of bitterness like a really bad plate of food. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and they just served you up something that looked terrible? Some years ago, I went to a barbecue restaurant and I ordered chicken because I was on a little bit of a diet and that's what you order at barbecue restaurants if you don't like turkey and you've got to eat something good for you. And so I I got chicken and they brought me out chicken. And my theory is the chicken had probably been sitting there for a few days and they were almost done. And they just kind of gave me the the leftovers. It was the most horrible looking thing you've ever seen. So my choice is I can either accept that or I can reject that, right? You can accept it or reject it. Bitterness is when you accept bad things. And the Bible says reject bitterness. Do we all have things that have happened to us that can make us bitter? Of course we do. Do we all have people who have let us down? Of course we do. Do we all have disappointments and frustrations? We all do. But the choice is not whether or not the chicken's any good. The choice is whether or not do we accept it. And I'm just saying we need to reject bitterness. The passage says refuse it. You know, relations with neighbors have always been a little tricky. In some ways, a neighbor is a stranger with which we are forced to live in relationship. When you have good neighbors, it is awesome. And when you have bad neighbors, it is not awesome. (sighs) Having issues is one thing. But the Hebrew says that that bitterness is what sets in when you let your dislike of somebody get in your head. When you begin to let it rule you. I read something this week and I have really thought about it. It said the most powerful and influential person in your life is the person you refuse to forgive. What do you think about it? The most powerful and influential person in your life is the person against whom you hold the most bitterness. They're straight up in your head. Refuse it. Refuse bitterness. Number seven, we're to hate sin. Verse four, in whose eyes a reproach is despised and in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. Now, this is one of those things that is important to God. That's probably not real important to our culture, but it needs to be because it's right here. So many of our cultural icons today are unabashedly ungodly people. 
It's not that they have bad habits. It's that they are unabashedly ungodly. They are intentionally doing godless things and intentionally mocking God and the beliefs of God's people. If your heroes and your role models reject God, it will affect you. It's okay to admire the talent of another person. And certainly we should love sinners as as well as we do saints. But vile people are not folks that Christians should idolize. This is putting the ungodly in a place in our lives where only Christ should be. Watch your role models. Watch your role models. You say, well, it's not very important to me. It is to God. It is to God. And then number eight, it says fear God. Those who fear the Lord. God honors those who fear the Lord. One of the television evangelists that uh, just went down in the 80s, this evangelist ends up in prison. Somebody, an author, went to visit this particular TV evangelist. And he said, when did you stop loving God? And the evangelist said, I never stopped loving God. I stopped fearing God. I stopped fearing God. We need to have a healthy respect for God. And we need to honor those who have respect for God. Having the right heroes is important. We need to give honor to honorable people. For it's pleasing to the Lord. We tend to criticize everyone, but we don't lift up anyone. No wonder our society is where it is. If we fail to honor those who fear God, we fail to honor the Lord. If we fail to honor those who are a lot better than they used to be, we fail to honor God's work in that person. Number nine, altruism. Verse five, those who do not put out money at interest. Now, before you bankers feel too bad about life, uh, let me kind of get you into the history just a little bit. Jews were allowed to loan money at interest to Gentiles, but not to other Jews. You were not allowed to charge interest when you loaned money to other Jews. Now, they were to be wise about who they loaned money to. I mean, Proverbs is full of advice. Don't co-sign for untrustworthy people and on. They're to be wise. You don't have to loan money to everybody. But if you loaned money to a fellow Jew, you were not to charge interest because... They were there to help one another. Giving folks a hand up without your hand always being out is a righteous virtue. When we finally get to the point in our life, we stop asking what's in it for me. God is pleased. And then number 10, immutable core values. It says those who do not take a bribe against the innocent. You see, God values his sons and daughters who cannot be bought. God values his sons and daughters who do not have a price. They stand for their beliefs. And their biblically informed core values simply are not for sale. And the scripture says these people will now be moved. These people will stand steady in the storm. And then it says the one who does these things shall never be moved. So I think there's a fair question to consider here. Are these 10 things you do to be righteous or are these 10 things that righteous people do? And my answer is yes. Yes, both. These are things that if you do them, will be pleasing to God. But there are also things that as we get closer to God, we will find ourselves inevitably doing. The gospel declares that we are saved by faith 
in Christ. So these are not only 10 core values of the kingdom of God, they're 10 descriptions of the character of the person who is right with God. I don't want to stir up any bad memories here, but they're like gauges on a truck. They're indicators of how things are going. And you really do well to pay attention to them. If you want to take inventory of your heart, just juxtapose your life to these 10 virtues. Ask yourself those questions. Am I a good friend? Do I speak the truth? Ask yourself those questions. It allows us to take inventory of our hearts. It allows us to read our gauges. And if you see a warning light flashing, realize the problem probably has a whole lot more to do with our inability to hear the music than to memorize the steps. So what are the steps? What are the steps? One thing that I have found in life is that I am a terrible dancer. I got nothing. Anybody else just awful? And, and you've tried a little bit? Yeah, I'm just awful. So when I was in high school, it was great because people didn't really know how to dance because you just kind of moved, right? You just kind of moved. And my whole thing was try to look bored and bring no attention to myself. <laughs> right? Just, just, that's it. That's all I got. Got nothing. Let me tell you what the steps are for a salsa life. Let me give you the dance steps. Number one, you got to hear the music. This begins when you pray and ask Jesus to become your savior. The salsa life doesn't start until you ask Jesus into your heart. That's where this all begins. That's where that initial connection takes place. So if you've been trying to do the soul salsa and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, you're, you're missing the whole point. That's where it begins. Number two, you got to get on the floor. Offer your whole self to God. I remember when I was a freshman or sophomore, I'd go to school dances and I'd hang out with a, a gaggle of guys and, and we were so uncomfortable with ourselves that not only did we not ask anyone to dance, we made fun of the people who were dancing, right? It might just be a Midwestern thing to do, but uh, it was just kind of pathetic in every way. I've learned in life, you know what? You're just gonna have to get out on the floor. Sometimes you're just gonna have to put yourself out there and take your chances and get on the floor. And number three, learn to dance. Plug into the church. Listen for the pings. Learn how to be used by God. Will there be disappointments? Guarantee it. Will things always go your way? Nope. Will you always be appreciated? Not a chance. Now get over it. Just get over it. Do this in the service of God. So plug into the church. Listen for the pings. When you don't get something right, just keep practicing. Stay at it. Next, just be patient. Don't blow up, give up, don't quit. My daughter, Lydia, took piano lessons when she was a child. It was two of the shortest weeks of my life. But she would see the music and they would give her something to do and she'd go, dink, dink, bam. It was really clear. She was not going to have the patience to be a piano player. It just wasn't going to be there. Guys, we need to have patience in our Christian walks. And sometimes it's just being patient with yourself. Just cut yourself some slack every now and then. Are you going the right direction? Are you getting better? Just show a little patience. And next, watch your gauges. Pay attention to what goes in. Pay attention to what goes out. Pay attention to what's running low. Just pay attention to where you are. One of the things I live by is that I am going to associate 
Frustration with silence. So if I get frustrated, I'm not gonna talk. You wanna know why? Because earlier in my life when I was frustrated, I said all kinds of stuff and it was a disaster. So when I'm frustrated, I'm just gonna be really, really quiet because I'm watching my gauges, watching my gauges. And then finally, invite others. That's what this 500 campaign's about. I love it when you guys introduce me to new people. Somebody knocked on my door today, wanted to introduce me to to somebody that visited. I said, thank you for knowing I would want you to knock on my door and introduce me to your guests. Find me. Let me say hello to people because I'm glad that they're here. That's what this is all about, inviting people onto the dance floor because that is where we live that salsa life. So guys, as I close, I just want to encourage you, stay on the dance floor. Keep praying, even and especially when your prayers don't seem to be doing any good. Keep going to church, even and especially when nothing seems to be connecting. Keep giving, even and especially when you feel like you have nothing to offer. Keep reading the Bible, even and especially when it's tedious or troubling. Be persistent in good works, even and especially when you find no reward in doing them. Keep inviting others, even and especially when it seems to be doing no good at all. When we let God do God's work in our lives, we don't have to always try harder to dance Psalm 15. As we do those things, the flow comes naturally. And more naturally all the time. Sometimes you memorize the steps. And you're just memorizing the steps. And then one day you get out there and you think... I'm actually dancing. Who would have ever thought that? Maybe you have been trying to do the steps your whole life. I just want to suggest to you, maybe it's just time to dance. Maybe it's just time to let the joy of the Lord overwhelm you. Maybe it's just time to say, you know, I can't just take my life that's not going well, that's not giving me joy, that's not helping others. I can't just say it's nobody's fault. I can't just say it's like riding a lawnmower and a meteor hitting. I'm going to have to take some responsibility for my own life. When you hit that point, you've hit a turning point. And every saint of God has hit that turning point. I pray today is your day to do just that. There are going to be some folks to pray with you on both sides of the sanctuary and at the top. If you've got something you would just like to say, I I would like prayer for this, or if you'd just like to say, hey, I'm ready to put excuses aside. I'm ready to say, let's get at this. Let's get on the floor. Let's see what God has for me. We would love to pray with you. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for who you are. Lord, we know that we're not always where you would have us be. We're not even always where we would wish to be. We can't do this soul salsa on our own, but we can submit ourselves to you. Meld us, mold us, fill us, use us for your glory. And thank you, dear God. Thank you that you are doing your work in us. We pray that you would give us a desire to be pleasing to you. Give us a desire to get on the dance floor. Give us a desire to do the soul soul so that we might live the lives we were created to live. And all God's people said, amen.